Hello and welcome to Haunted Hometowns, your weekly true crime paranormal podcast with me, Blake Lambert Hack. This season I'm covering cases in New York City, but tonight I have a bonus episode for you. I have a retired NYPD police officer turned demonologist who has his own nonprofit called New York Demonic Investigation. Please enjoy my chat with Chris DeFlorio and his wife, Harmony. So to start the podcast, I always ask guests how they would describe a ghost. But since you're a little more uh, in tuned with all of this, uh, how would you describe a ghost versus a demon per se? Well, a, a ghost, you know, we would call a human spirit. Right. So, um, Basically, with a, a human spirit, you know, we're talking about uh, a person. We're talking about a person. We're talking about somebody who walked the earth. Uh, a demon, we're looking at uh, basically from where we come from, from our, our faith and from our point of view, biblically, uh, a demon would be a fallen angel. So it'd be an angel that was in heaven, cast out by God, came down to earth, and Basically, it would all be connected. Basically, you know, the demons would be one, uh, I don't want to say species, but they would be spirit um, beings. Um, so that'd be the difference right off. Yeah. So Haunted Hometowns uh, as a podcast is about true crime that leads to ghosts. Um, in a way, kind of parallels your career moving from the New York City Police Department into, you know, demonic investigation. Was there a specific case while you were working for the NYPD that got you interested in demonology or were they like two separate interests that collided? You know, they, they were, they were different, but there were a couple of, there were a couple of, I would say, uh, calls I was on that were, I would say that looking back hindsight, that definitely piqued my interest back before I even got involved in this. Um, I can recall, I re- can recall a case where we had an emotionally disturbed person uh, and we get plenty of those calls. Um, right. Somebody needs some kind of psychiatric help. And this person actually, you know, we, we had a bunch of police officers run up there. Um, it, it was a young woman, I remember. Um, and this, this woman was just, she was, she had no clothing on at all. And I remember coming up the stairs and she just had a grin on her face and, a, she looked at me with these, these very strange eyes. So I, I pretty much kept going, doing my job. And I, re- I recall when we got on the ambulance, my partner came back to the, to the police car and he told me that, and I already knew something was off, you know, and she, he told me that, yeah, the family's here from Africa because they saw a witch doctor and said she needs an exorcism by a priest. So something clicked there. Right. Um, there was another call, which is very interesting. Um, and this was like, again, this was all before I really jumped into this field, you know, fully. Right. Um, we had a call of a woman who was a, uh, we call it a jumper up. She was on the top floor about to jump off a building. Gotcha. Uh, it was about two in the morning and, you know, everybody's responding. My partner and I are the first unit there. I opened the, the door to the roof and, you know, she's pacing back and forth. Um, I went out there pretty much alone to talk to her 
And, you know, at this time, which is interesting, I just became a Christian, I would say, about a year, a year earlier. So, you know, now your mind is a little more focused on God. Before that, I, I never even thought about God as much. Right. Um, so I didn't say anything to her. I was just talking to her. And she just blurts out, you don't even know God. He doesn't even know who you are. And I was like, what? And, you know, we, I, we, there was something very off with her. Yeah. We end up talking her down, take her to the hospital. And I'm, I'm talking to her in the emergency room. And she's telling me uh, a lot about her life. And she was a cutter. She had, she had all these cuts in her arms. And if we look biblically, um, there's a good example of that in the Bible with the garrison man in Jesus. This man was uh, chained up by the tombs. And he said he was cutting himself. So, you know, looking back, I started to see the, the path that I was on. And when I jumped into this, everything kind of started to make sense. So before that happened, before you became a Christian, did you believe in ghosts prior to, or was it kind of just like you say, you didn't think about it really? No, I, I did. I've, I've always, you know, I was a regular person growing up. You know, I liked horror movies, like ghost stories. Okay. <laughs> you know, I was the, the regular kind of guy. So, uh, but you know, I never, <laughs> never in a million years, I think I'd be doing something like this, you know, trying to chase them down and get rid of them, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. What was the first case where you would consider yourself being, you know, a demonologist versus a police officer? Well, that, I think that would be, uh, the case where my family was haunted, um, this is where I pretty much jumped into this. So, you know, I, I kind of had a, a, a background knowledge already. Um, right. And, and read a lot and, you know, uh, was very involved in, in understanding the field. And then when uh, my wife, who's here, my wife, Harmony, yeah. we uh, took our daughter to Florida for a Sweet 16 with her friends, you know, it turned into a nightmare because their room was haunted. Um all this paranormal activity was going on around the room. Gotcha. And yeah, I basically had to make a, a decision what to do. And I ended up doing a minor exorcism in the room. Yeah. Everyone was affected somehow. Yeah. Who was, who noticed it first? Well, uh, it was at Florida it was the kids. Okay. Because it was their room and they woke up the next morning and saw a, a very strange handprint on a wall. And it had basically four fingers, and it was very long. Interesting. Uh, yeah, and then it, it, it's yeah, yeah. And our daughter was doing a, a blog at the time, so we have a lot of documentation, like video documentation, that it wasn't there the night before. Yeah, so okay. I went back, looked at the footage and things like that, and you can see it wasn't there. And you know, being a police officer as well, I went through all her video, right. and I saw a lot of strange things where they walked into the room. She was like talking with the girls, and they had a, they had a strange smell in the room. And they just dismissed it. But, yeah. you know, being a demonologist, I picked up on it. So there's something going on already. Right. So, yeah, it was that was a very that was a very uh, powerful case to, to really get thrown into for the first one. Yeah. Have you has your family experienced anything outside after that or outside of what the job entails? You know, I'll tell you what happened in the beginning. So after that, that case, that, that first event, I should say. I decided to start taking on cases a lot. Right. And so when you jump into that field, we did have a lot of activity in our home. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we're talking, you know, 
uh, items. You could tell them what happened on, on the table. I um, we had a like a, a like a table with like frames and candles and everything, and I was under it cleaning, and all of a sudden everything flew off of it at once, and I didn't even touch the table. Yeah. Like, so that was it. Was it was things yeah. like that? We, I saw a dark shadow, shadow. figure. Uh, like over, like in the basement, like you, we have a balcony and you can like look under and it was like a dark shadow, shadow figure. I was home alone. There yeah. were voices go. And I, I would hear yeah. voices every night in the living room from my bedroom. So our know, room, but would go off at 3 a.m. Yeah. Which is crazy. That, let me tell you, you think nothing of that, but when that thing is going around the house at three in the morning in the dark, it's freaky. Yeah. It's, it's freaky as hell. Oh yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nothing but, subtle. But you yeah. know, but you know, What's interesting is, and, and that it all died down very soon, because once we realized how to handle it, you know, and again, this is where our belief comes into how what we're dealing with, that we're dealing with intellectual, you know, uh, intellectual um, beings, very intelligent, right? You know, they know it's not going to affect us once we got understood what was going on. You know, something could fall right now, something can go on, and we just keep walking and doing whatever we're doing. Yeah. Um, then it died down. So I'm curious how, you know, you're retired now from the police department, but how that has affected how you handle cases today, like what you have taken with you from your past career to your new career. Yeah, well, I, I would think the training uh, and, and the you know the, the 20 years of you know of investigating a crime, taking the reports, um, talking with you know higher up detectives and really learning a lot of the skills. It's, it's basically, you know, you're almost doing the same kind of work, you know, except you're not looking for a physical assailant. You're looking for, you know, a spiritual assailant. Right. So maybe it's a little tougher because it, you know, you don't see, you know, uh, the assailant, but if you really look careful and you do a real good investigation at times, you can really see the, the trail that it's leaving. Yeah. Um, and that's where, honestly, that's where theology really helps in this because you understand how sometimes to draw them out. Yeah. Um, you know, there's some techniques I, I actually use. So I combine, I combine the police skills and, you know, I, I, I was doing ministry on the streets with the homeless for about 13 years with my wife. So, you know, I've been dealing with people my half of my life. Right. But also yeah. your interviewing skills. And our, our medical, we both have medical backgrounds. Right. We, we use that as that. we talk to the, uh, the clients. So right. it helps. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Do you have a lot of, like, uh, when you're on a case, do you have a lot of interaction with the police in that town or does it depend case by case? No, it's basically just with the family. Okay. Um, yeah, we, there was one case actually in New Jersey that before we got there, the family actually called the police because they thought somebody broke in the house. They had the police clear the house out about midnight. Um, yeah, but, they left the house. Yeah, they so left and they, and they left the house yeah, and they went yeah. to a hotel. But again, you know, I, if I don't have to drag anybody else into this, um, you know, I pretty much stay with the family, friends, other right. witnesses. That makes sense. Yeah, I think if I were to have something in my house, I would call the police initially. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe like someone figured this out for me. But okay. Yeah. Uh, when a case does come up and you get that call, what does the conversation normally look like? 
Well, you know, the first thing I do is I have them tell me what the complaint is, you know, what happened. And usually after interviewing them, I'm usually on the phone for maybe an hour with the first interview. Okay. Um, you know, I, I usually find out a, a bunch of facts or, or events that happened prior that they didn't even remember at the time that are already, you know, giving me an idea of what we're dealing with here. Right. And so, yeah, so I usually give I really go into a real detailed interview. And like Harmony said, I, you know, I was a paramedic, so I go really into the medical history as well. Uh, I don't, you know, you, you really, you're battling being a skeptic and, you know, and, and fully believing. And, and I think that's yeah. healthy, you know, because you really want to know what you're dealing with. And, you know, it, it's, it really is better for the client as well. So I really pull out everything that's happening. And then I kind of talk to Harmony and we kind of put a plan together. Yeah. Do you always investigate or is there a specific like criteria that you kind of check off to see if it's a case that you'll end up taking? I think pretty much, you know, for the most part, I'll, I'll, I'll take every case if, if I can. Um, we always, we always yeah. try to go. Um, because we always want to try to help people. And and sometimes it's, we, you know, even if it's just a shoulder to cry on and let them maybe vent to us, because sometimes we really are the only ones that listen to them. Right. Um, and, and we really do feel that that's unfortunate because, you know, there's really no one that can help them. Even if it maybe is, um, maybe not truly going on, let's say. Yeah, right. And, so. and, that, and that's like the other part of the work that we do. It's not, you know, it, it, right. It's dealing with the, the, the spiritual, with the demonic, uh, whatever's there. But again, like Harmony said, we're really there for the people. So if right. it does turn out to be like, just like Harmony said, you know, sometimes it's talking to them and, and that's part of our faith, you know, trying to help them through whatever crisis they're going through. And that's just as rewarding for us. Absolutely. So you're based out of New York, correct? With the, your nonprofit, New York Demonic Investigation, is that right? Yes, it's out of New York, yeah. Do you have mainly New York cases or do you travel outside of the country? How does... It's it's random. It's everywhere. Okay. So like, I'm getting calls uh, maybe two or three a week and they can be uh, Texas, Colorado, California, New York, Pennsylvania. I mean, we, we're booked already next month going to uh, New Hampshire and Pennsylvania. It's all over. Gotcha. So, um, yeah, and, you know, it, I, I have one that I may go to in Haiti eventually okay. if I can get there. So it's, uh, yeah, it, you know, I, if someone needs help and, and we can get there, we will go. Getting into this business, I guess. Uh, did you go through any specific training or was it more like learn as you go type situation? I know you were talking about how you've both done ministry type work with homeless. Is that what kind of helped you into this? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that that was the training ground really because the theology backed up what I knew. So when I was thrown into this and the way I was really thrown into it the first in the very beginning was uh, when I was a missionary in Africa, we, I saw a possessed man. That's what really opened my eyes to really, you know, seeing being in the middle of something tangible. You know, it wasn't just something I read or something invisible. This I was I was feeling that evil and seeing it right through somebody. And 
So I already had a very good understanding theologically. So um, at that time, I was already, you know, I was already, let's say, a police officer for about let's say, well, a while, almost 10 years, yeah, at, least. at least 10, 12 years. And I think it was longer. So I had, you know, it just combined right away. Um, everything just came together as if, you know, I was being trained for this uh, spiritually and through, you know, police training the whole time. I'm always curious about, because I'm not necessarily incredibly religious or organized religion, but is there specific scripture you use or does it depend on the case you're handling while you're uh, cleansing a house, let's say? Oh, right, right. Uh, well, you know, we use we use specific prayers from the church. You know, that's something we always use. There's, there's a specific kind of prayer that that is, you know, given to laity that we that we use. Um, but yeah, I use certain scriptures. Um, you know, there's like a Psalm 91 I'll read, uh, the Lord's prayer. Those, these are, you know, I, I try to approach it and, and usually doesn't end up that way, but like, uh, methodically, you know, I have a, I have a structure, how I want to approach it. Mm-hmm. And like, for instance, we had a case yesterday actually in New York city. And, you know, again, we approached it with our, our prayers we're going to use, and then something happened where the temperature of the room dropped about six or seven degrees yeah. in about a second. And the camera drained, it shut off, and we knew something was in there. It was freezing. And so then you have to kind of like, you know, you know, you have to change on the fly. Right. And we'll go into other other kind of prayers or something, you know, something else. But yeah, for, for the most part, there are specific ones that we do use. Yeah. For homeowners or renters is there anything specific to look for anything that points to demonic possession in a home well the first thing i would say to somebody uh especially new homeowners and people going into new homes they're renting have them blessed that's what i would tell everybody hotel room you're going away bless the room you can do it yourself um because you don't know what was happening in that place before you got there? Somebody else's belief, something else they, they were doing, uh, a trauma, a tragedy. So, you know, people usually can feel if something's off. That's what they tell me, you know. Um, you, could, you could feel negative energy around you. You know, scientifically, you know, we, we can do that. Our bodies emit energy. And I'm sure you know, like, if you're in a room with, with somebody you dislike, and you guys maybe have an argument, you know, you could feel that tension. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So you can kind of feel when something's off. Sure. And you know, that's usually the sign. You know, if you go into a room and the, the hair in the back of your neck goes up, there's a good reason for it. Right. You know, our senses are telling us. I Yeah, I've felt or I've actually seen ghosts. So I wow. totally understand the feeling of <laughs> either being watched in a room or you know, even seeing something. Um, so I'm a very firm believer in all of that, whether I understand it or not is a different <laughs> case, but you, yeah. you're right. You de- can definitely feel it in a room for sure. Oh yeah. And it's, it's, it's it could be terrifying. You know, if it's yeah. listen, two, three in the morning, you know, and, you, and you're feeling you're being watched and uh, come on, that's, you know, right. 
Absolutely it, it, scary. Yeah. You know. I'm not sure anyone understands it, so don't worry. Yeah. It's something we're all we're right. continually learning. Yeah, she's right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is there a difference between a, a person being possessed versus like a location being possessed? Yeah, and, and that would have to do with basically the stages uh, of activity we're dealing with. Gotcha. So, so like a house would be the first stage of infestation. And that's where what we're talking about, you would see and, you know, you would hear noises, things falling, door slamming, right. smells. What happens is if it progresses, say, in, in the home and see, and this is where it goes back to what we're talking about with uh, demons and, and, you know, very intelligent and have a plan. They are now working their way to the second stage, which is and to make it easy. It's, you know, the first stage haunting of a house. Second stage starts haunting of a person. Right. So they start going after the person in the home where they might have bruises and, you know, uh, cuts they're waking up with. And as that goes on and it gets more of a grounding in the person and really like digs its claws into them, that's where they could end up being possessed, you know, which is, which is rare, but that's where it can happen. Gotcha. Do you find it that it's more people moving into new spaces that already has something there or they're like inviting it somehow. Yeah, I, I think it's usually the invitation. Um, gotcha. You know, to have that kind of activity, there always has to be permission. So, you know, what we always tell people is the demons can always do. Every, there's one thing they can do to everybody is tempt them. Right. But to have some kind of external activity in, in, you know, on a person or in a location, something has to happen for that to be there. And what I found was a lot of the times it's either it's a few things. It's either somebody inviting it in intentionally. It's somebody inviting it to another person or a location intentionally as a curse. Right. Or it could be a lifestyle. Mm. It could be, you know, some kind of trauma or tragedy growing up, depression. You know, the, these negative feelings we might have may draw them to us, unfortunately. Right. So that's where it takes a lot of discernment and understanding when you're speaking to these um to the complainants of what's going on. So you were talking about earlier how you grew up watching horror movies and everything like that. Yeah. Is, uh, do you, have you found that they're accurate in their depiction of demonology or, you know, what Hollywood portrays as demonology? Uh, if you look carefully, I mean, there's snippets of truth in it. You know, it's very exaggerated, of you course. know, yeah, so yeah. and it has to be, you know, we don't want to sit there and, and be bored. People want to be entertained, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, it's I'll tell you, it's in real life. It's a lot different. It's it's less dramatic. I'll tell you this, but it's scary. It's 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 definitely there's more of a. Uh, I think in real life it's, it's scarier scary. yeah. because the thing that we have seen and heard are real. Right. Whereas when I'm watching a movie, I know it's an actor behind there. I know it's CGI'd. I know that the director goes cut and everybody takes off their makeup and probably goes as pizza and soda. Right. Whereas when Chris and I are up in the attic and we have that feces vomit smell and the demon is roaring. Yeah. It's really just me, him 
and God fighting. Uh, You may not have things being thrown around or you being thrown out of the attic, you know, and the house going on fire, but just those, those things alone. Let me tell you, when you're in there with it in real life, it is terrifying. Yeah. You know, for a couple seconds. Yeah. So, so while Chris, while you're doing your uh, reading from the Bible and the scriptures and stuff, Harmony, what is, what's going through your head? How are you feeling during those moments? I, I'm praying. I'm praying that nothing is going to affect him, not that he's not going to get distracted. And I'm also keeping my eyes open that nothing's going to come out and kind of like right. attack him. Nothing's going to get thrown at him. Nothing, nothing's going to walk around. Right. Um, I'm like yesterday, for example, I was watching the um, thermometer. I wanted to see if it was going to go up or down. And I was the one that caught the camera shutting off and that it was being drained. Gotcha. Things like that. pair of eyes, which is always needed and things like that. Eyes, yeah. Absolutely. I I actually started going with him because he started, he was doing it alone at first. Right. And no one would go with him. And uh, he was just coming back and he was like stressed and, you know, so I started going with him and then we ended up. Yeah. As a pair. My partner. Yeah. (laughs) Partner in life. That's a lot to do by yourself. That's. uh, Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You have a documentary coming out this this year, I believe, called "It's Coming." Um, yeah, right. Yeah, well, that that's interesting because it's it's not our documentary. Okay. Um, yeah, what happened was uh, so there's a filmmaker making this documentary um, around a family in New York City in Brooklyn. Gotcha. And he was it was his first documentary on the paranormal, and the the mother had these special gifts where she could see things going on and she she felt something bad was happening in the apartment and as he continued to film um it started to come to the to the child the seven-year-old and make a relationship with it threaten the boy and you know he was talking about it openly that this thing is going to try to kill him so uh the filmmaker shannon alexander gave me a call and said hey listen i'm you know i'm doing this with, with you and your wife you know uh would you mind coming to, you know, uh, cleanse the house? Right. You know, I, I've had people here already. It's still here. I believe he had a psychic and nothing happened. So I said, sure, absolutely. So we went and, you know, we ended up in the filming of this. I actually got worse after she came. Remember the fire oh, the si- trucks? Yeah, yeah, fire trucks. Yeah, it's all, it's all, it's pretty interesting documentary. And when we came, it, it, it went crazy in the house. The woman was saying that, She's never seen so many spirits coming out of the woodwork, basically. And they tell they were very angry that we're there. They want us to leave. Um, and, you know, it actually it was attacking us pretty spiritually. Harmony was feeling a little sick. Uh, I was doing the, the minor exorcism prayer at one point, and I lost total concentration. I had to stop. I couldn't even uh, get a word out for a moment. And during it, something interesting happened is that, and this goes back to what we've been talking about, about the, the intelligence of these beings. Right. The woman came out and said to me, um, said, he's, he's saying to me, ask him about his last case. And he, she's like, he keeps saying, ask him about his last case. And I said, oh, interesting. So it turned out that on the way to this house, we did get a phone call in the car, which I didn't answer. Right. And when we got back in the car, I looked at the phone and Harmony said, you know, your phone did ring because I have a certain phone for the cases. Right. And I looked at it and it was the person from that last case, which was, you know, maybe two, two months ago that I was dealing with that. 
and it was fine. So I call him right away and I go, is everything okay? He goes, no, it came back today. Whatever's here came back. So it kind of, yeah, it clicked that we're on the radar and whatever's there knows, knows who we are and is dealing, you know, we're dealing with two cases with maybe the same entities working together. Right. So it was pretty wild. That, yeah, that's a lot. (laughs) Do you normally keep in contact with people you've helped in the past? Yeah. And and that's a big part of what we do. We, we really have relationships with everybody and I check on them from time to time. A few of them, you know, I talk to all the time. Um, Yeah. It's, it's, you kind of create a bond, you know, you're, these people are in, you know, and it happens sometimes in the police and, and, uh, you know, being on the ambulance when you're helping people in, in the worst times of their life, there's a bond that's created that, you know, that you just can't explain. And it kind of carries over into the field of demonology. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, For this family that you were helping in the documentary, did you, how long were you with them filming this? And, uh, a few hours, right? Yeah, maybe like that three, was a four hours. That was that was about three or four hours. Okay. Um, and yes, I you know we talk once in a while, and from what I hear, that everybody in that house is okay. That the child's okay now. Um, you know, which is interesting. It's, it's still a very interesting case. Um, but she continues to see spirits because it's a gift she's going to have. It's a gift, yeah. She's right. clairvoyant. Yeah, but she doesn't talk to them anymore. We kind of gave her advice. Gotcha. <laughs> don't yeah. talk to them. Don't give them any energy, you know, and, you know, it, it may shut down. Right. Okay. Did you, going forward, I know this wasn't like a, you weren't preparing to do a documentary, but have you ever thought about documenting all your cases and releasing them anywhere? Or is that something you're interested in at all? Yeah, well, I, I, I document everything. So I right. do have it. And, and again, you know, the, the, the training from the NYPD for many years, I have cameras set up everywhere when right. I'm in because you never know what's going to happen. And you do for other reasons, too. You do it for reasons to protect you and the family. Absolutely. Um, and I, I write reports. I have pictures. So I have everything. And every I have a file of every case, let's say, right? Yeah. And yeah. So eventually, you know, we do talk about putting something together. Um, I don't regularly put them out. You know, uh, there are even cases with, with families who want them out. They're like, we want to tell everybody what happened. You know, this is amazing. Right. And, you know, it, we will do it eventually. Um, it's something you just got to be careful with, do it at the right time. Yeah, absolutely. And, but, yeah, we, we would definitely love to. We, we took, we've had, you know, a lot, uh, uh, plenty of offers. Uh, we've had production companies calling us that want us to put something together. And, you know, in, in the near future, we, you know, we might do it. Nice. Yeah, I think, you know, so many people have never experienced anything like this, and there isn't a ton about it. You know, uh, there aren't a lot of movies or TV shows that are based on true events happening like this. So I think it could be helpful and really great for people going forward. But yeah, yes, you know, and, and that's uh, I'm ha- we're happy to do it because the, the biggest thing that said to us is we're happy that you're public with this because kind of like you said, we've been, there's, there's people, uh, we had a case on Long Island, uh, in the summer, they were dealing with her for 15 years. Yeah. And no, no one would help them. And then no, and they didn't uh, know where to turn. They didn't know where to turn. So, you know, no one believed them. 
So they, they told maybe sad. one or two people. No one believed them. And that was it. They lived with it for 15 years. The church wouldn't help the church them. church wouldn't help them. They didn't know where to go. And They went yeah. to some psychics who wanted to charge them like $7,000. Yeah, something it's unbelievable. I mean, and that's like, the, I mean, that's just so much. Money. Yeah, it's so, yeah, we're happy that the, the the response we're getting, that everybody is happy that we're out here and, and you know, they can reach out to somebody. Yeah, absolutely. Was there ever a moment where, like a specific case or a moment that you said, you know, this is too much for me, you know? You know, it wasn't it wasn't one case. There, there was a moment during uh, working in this field where I was getting overwhelmed. Yeah. Because so many were coming in. And there was one time I had 25 backed up. And everybody was calling. So you figure even if one person is sending one message a day, and it's 25 people, you're getting 25 messages of different things that are happening. And I right. was getting emotionally drained. It was. It was very, it was, it was very tough for me. Yeah. And we had to put, you know, some things in place. We had to make some changes. You know, the, the retiring helped uh, a lot because it freed up so much time. Right. Uh, I was gone, you know, probably 14, 15 hours a day, just work, traveling and working. And now it freed up the time and I can kind of, you know, categorize and, and, and work the cases the right way. Absolutely. Um, is there a specific case that like has stuck with you, either of you that you know will you'll never forget about, or is that kind of every case in its own way? Yeah, in the you know in the beginning we would have said yeah, there's, there's one case, you know, the Connecticut case, the one that was on the news with right. the demon roaring, and but you know, I think for me the main case, okay, because of how he's. I was talking to um, the doctor, a, car- a cardio- cardiovascular doctor, and all of a sudden he just switched personalities mm. on me. And uh, it was very scary. Yeah, Harmony had a profound experience with that yeah. um, when she was interviewing this this complainant. And he, you know, I had, a, you know, like I said, I have recorders and I have cameras everywhere. Yeah. I wasn't even in the room. And when I came back in the room, they were quiet. Nobody was talking at first. And I could see Harmony was a little, you know, she was a little off. And I said, what, what's going on? And this man had a totally different personality. And, you know, I said, okay, let's let's break for the day. We'll come back tomorrow. And we went back and I listened to what happened. And let me tell you, again, there's no special effects like Hollywood. But hearing right. this man, when Harmony brought the Catholic Church up to help him, he changed his voice and demeanor changed. Like it, it would definitely make the hairs on your neck go up. Yeah. So I could see how you know, that would definitely yeah. be something that stays and with his, And his face even changed in his eyes. And it, that, that mm-hmm. almost was wow. out of a movie. It was like, it almost got dark. I've never yeah. seen anything like that. And I've been on, I've been in the medical field 18 years. Yeah. So. And being so up close and personal, with someone like that is also terrifying. Yes, it, it really was. So that that case remains my number one. Gotcha. Yeah. So what keeps you both invested in such a, I don't, a dark field of work, I guess? You know, it, it's an extension of what we've been doing for so many years, you know, caring for people. And honestly, it's, you know, you know, going back to you know to our faith and our belief, you know, we believe that there is a uh, 
there is something more than material in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's, it, it's about people. It's about loving your neighbor. Like we're, we're told to, right. and it, it's something that I guess is more rewarding to us th- than anything. So yes. when you're, when you're really helping somebody other than yourself, it, it does, it kind of, it does something. It, it opens you it really up. Does. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. cases like that case, this man yeah. was completely, yeah. his life was completely changed yeah. yesterday. Yeah her life is going to be completely changed. Yeah. We're, we're seeing these people transform in front of us into having positive lives again. It, it, it totally, that's what pushes you right into the next yeah. case. I mean, we can name like five cases yeah. where they're, yeah. they were so grateful and so happy. And watching them be happy and, and reconnect with their families yes. and things like that. I mean, it's amazing uh, success stories for them. Yeah. I mean, amazing. And we love it. I mean, I mean, I mean, that's just off the top of my head. Right. And it's just, um, I'm just so grateful to be able Absolutely. to do that. How do your, uh, I'm just curious how your kids feel about you doing this work full time. Oh, they're oh. mortified and embarrassed. And, so yeah, yeah the typical, was, uh, you know, they range from, what are they now? They range from uh, 19 to 23, 22. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, some of them, you know, I have one who wanted to join with us. One of my right. daughters, she's, she's, uh, she's an animal. She's like, I want to do this with you. We have one who won't even tell her friends about it. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. typical kids. She's like, you do what? Oh. We're just a regular yeah. family. You yeah. know, it's like. Yeah, yeah, of course. And my, son, my son gets scared, but his friends think my husband's like totally cool and like trying to like look at the, it's all the yeah, stuff. Yeah, I got to hide and, the videos and stuff when yeah. I come over. But yeah. So. Nice. Do you have any, are you working on a case right now? Well, we just did the one yesterday. Uh, right. the next one. The next one. Yeah, we have we have a bunch lined up. So I've been scheduling them. Um, so kind of like, for an example, the one yesterday, I'm going to continue on for about a week or so because I want to see, you know, right now we have something good happening today. But right. you want to, you know, take it slow and I'm going to keep working with the, the person until we know that they're okay. Absolutely. Um, so I, And that's what it is. I try to spread them out because if you bunch them up, um, people aren't going to get the the time they need individually. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Have you thought about hiring more people to be part of your nonprofit to work on more cases, or is it still kind of a work in progress? It, it's you know, with something like this, and maybe it's me. You know, uh, I'm, very, I'm I'm pretty tough. Like when it comes to to this kind of stuff, I'm. I, my wife will tell you I change personalities when we when once we pull up. It's all business. Right. I, I know what I want. I know what I want to do. Um, you know, we have a plan set out. So it's true. It, I mean, he, he yeah. actually pretty much does everything. I just sort of like, you know, kind of do what no, she I helps said. A lot. I, I mean, I pray, I do check on everything. No, and 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 you help set everything up. Harmony does a lot. Well, I do yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. and so and I do talk to you know, client, the clients and I am the caregiver. We have, we have somebody who helps us. I have uh, an investigator named Steve that's in training. Um, And that's the thing, you know, if I don't think you're called into it, if I don't think you're, you take this serious, like, like we do, I'm not going to let you in because it's dangerous for you. It's dangerous for me. It's dangerous for the other family. So it is a lot to go into before I bring people on. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for, joining me and being on the podcast. I know. Thank you. Thank you for having us. It's great. Uh, If 
someone needs to call or get a hold of you, is there a specific email or anything that they can reach out to? Sure. Uh, you could find us on Facebook on New York Demonic Investigation. We have an email. It's nydi777 at gmail.com. And I have a dedicated phone number, 516-778-3324. So you can, con- you know, I have people contact me in all sorts of social media. So uh, we're, we're readily available. Perfect. Thank you all so much for listening tonight. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Krista Florio and his wife, Harmony. Maybe you learned something about ghosts or demons or demonology, if that's something you're interested in. But thank you all again so much for listening this week. And moving forward, just so you know, I will be doing bi-weekly episodes come August. So it's better for me and my schedule. It's better for y'all because episodes will actually come out on time in that case. Uh, so yeah, bi-weekly episodes. Uh, get ready for the next season because it's going to be here quicker than you or I think Again, thank you so much. Follow social media, Haunted Hometowns, photos, guest info, upcoming news, like bi-weekly and when all that's going to start. Email me your ghost stories at hauntedhometownspodcast at gmail.com. Could be anything from all of your candles catching fire to a leaf falling off the tree and landing at your feet and telling you to turn left. Let me know and... I will meet you all back here in August because everyone loves a ghost story. Bye. The theme song is by Tyer. Follow him on social media at Queer Popstar and go listen to his music, T-H-A-I-R, streaming anywhere. The artwork is by Pepe Munoz. Follow his artist career and socials p.e.p.e.munoz, M-U-N-O-Z.